Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is brought to our church by Micah Bosworth, who pastors Ridgepoint Baptist Church in Wenatchee, Washington. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 is where we're going to be tonight. And uh, a well-known passage, if you've been in church for any length of time, you've probably heard at least one of these verses quoted, if not all of them quoted, uh, even in passing in a sermon or whether they're actually, they've actually been preached on. Uh, but I want us to kind of take it from uh, at least a little bit different uh, light than I've ever heard it preached. And so I hope that we'll see that tonight as we look into uh, Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 14. Okay, we're going to read just a few verses, starting in verse 14. The Bible says this. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Let's uh, go to our God in a word of prayer. And then tonight, I just want to talk a little bit about having a gospel perspective, a gospel perspective. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, this time that we have now to be in your word. Lord, to just be able to uh, learn from you And God, I pray that you would uh, teach us tonight. Lord, it it is your word, and we know that you want to speak to us. And so, Lord, we ask that you'd give us open hearts and minds to hear from you. And uh, Lord, that we wouldn't just hear something tonight, but that we would uh, have something that we can apply as we walk with you this week and go out uh, into our workplace and into our homes. And uh, Lord, uh, everywhere that we go, would you help us to learn tonight how to just continuously have a gospel perspective. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, perspective is kind of a funny thing. If you, if you think about the, the word perspective, I, I love, I love uh, things that mess with your perspective. And so let's play a little game. I want to start off by just playing a little game, okay? Tell me, we're just right off the bat, when the, when the screen changes, yell out what you see, okay? Go. I heard bunny or rabbit and I heard duck, okay? If you said rabbit, you're wrong, okay? No, I'm just kidding. There's both, right? Oh, what, what is it? It's a matter of perspective. What, which one popped out to you first, okay, right? What about this next one? Okay, go. What'd you see? Okay, yeah. Some people, they didn't even see the face. They were like, what are you talking about, a face? What's going on? Uh, some of you, the face was the first thing that popped out. Others, it just looked like a cool drawing, right? What about this one, this next one? What'd you see? A vase, okay? A vase and what? Two people facing each other. Do you see it? Do you see both now? Uh, But some of you, you didn't see one or the other when you first looked at it, right? Why? Perspective, the way that you saw it. What about this next one? This next one. This one broke the internet, okay? This one broke the internet a few years ago. Is this dress blue and black or white and gold? Go ahead. What? What? I'm not convinced either way, actually. (laughs) 
the more I look at some of you are like, well, it's actually because you have a black background. So I see black and blue. And some of you are like, I think there's like gold lines in your background. So I see gold and white. This, this literally broke the internet a few years ago. Everyone was talking about this dress. I don't even, I don't, I, like I said, I'm not convinced either way. What changes someone's opinion based on what they see here? Their perspective, right? Some people, uh, in specifically this one, I remember some people were like, well, if you take your phone, you look at the picture and you, and you look at it like this instead of straight on, you'll see blue and black. But if you look at it straight on, you'll see white and gold. And people were just trying all kinds of things to try to see both. Uh, some people for days could only see one. They couldn't see both white and gold and black and blue. And some of you right now are still looking at it and go, I don't see the other colors whatsoever. Yeah, I see it on your face. What is it? It's perspective. It's, it's how you see something, right, that makes you believe or say or act a certain way when it comes to these kinds of pictures. Oftentimes, when perspective, when you talk about perspective or trying to get someone to see something that you see or that I see, uh, oftentimes what you have to do in order to see that thing is to look through a specific kind of lens. Uh, when, when I looked at, it's just crazy, when I, you look at some pictures, it just looks like a bunch of red and blue lines. But then you put on 3D glasses, and there's a picture there. Have you ever done that? If you've never done that, you need to do that. Get some 3D glasses, find some of those pictures. That's so cool. Uh, whenever I'm watching like a 3D movie, I'll purposely at times take off the glasses just to see what it looks like, and it looks all blurry. Why? You have to look through a specific kind of lens to see it the way that they want you to see it. Uh, some people, in order to be able to see the world the way it's supposed to be seen, need to wear certain kinds of lenses, whether it's contact lenses or glasses or something to that effect. You have to, in order to see things the right way, many times look through a specific kind of lens. And what I want us to see tonight is that Paul, the Apostle Paul, as he walked through life, as he every single day just interacted with people, he specifically saw other people and he saw himself in a very specific way. And I, I think the reason that he did was because every single situation, every single person that he came in contact with, he saw them through the lens of the gospel. He saw them through the lens of the gospel. He saw them with a specific perspective because of how prevalent the gospel was in his life. And so, first of all, what gospel is Paul talking about? Let's unpack that just a little bit. What, what gospel is Paul talking about? Well, he tells us really in Romans or in uh, verses 16 and verse 17 what gospel he's talking about. Uh, uh, the gospel, this probably isn't new news, but the gospel, the word gospel means good news. It means good news. But Paul's not just talking about, like, I don't know, half price appetizers at a restaurant, which is good news. That's great news, right? Uh, if I hear that, I'm like, woo, let's go, okay? But that's not the kind of news that Paul is talking about. Paul is talking about a specific good news, a specific gospel, and he unpacks it for us in verse 16 and 17. And the first thing he tells us about the gospel that he sees people through is that the gospel is all about a specific person. Did you see what he said in verse 16? He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of who? Christ. The gospel is about a specific person. Man, the, the, within the pages of Scripture, all of the Bible, uh, it, it, it tells us this story, that God sent his only son to be born in human flesh. The infinite God wrapped up as an infant child. And the very son of God, he would be tempted exactly as we are, and yet he would live a sinless life. 
He would heal people who couldn't walk. He would make them to walk. He would heal those with leprosy and make them completely whole and clean and able to go back to their families and back to their normal lives. He would make the deaf to hear, the blind to see. He raised people from the dead. A couple of different times he did that. Some with just his very words at a distance, he rose people from the dead. And uh, then he would one day go to a cross and die for uh, your sin and for my sin. And, and, And that's who the gospel is about, Jesus Christ, who went through all of what we just talked about. And the whole Bible whispers his name. From the very beginning pages of uh, Genesis, as you read that the fall of man took place, and uh, from Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus, it's hard to find it in Leviticus, but it's there in Leviticus, pointing all to Jesus Christ and the fact that every single bit of our relationship to God would have to, uh, would have to center around substitutionary atonement. And that's all the way back in the Old Testament, pointing to what God's ultimate plan of redemption was in who? Jesus Christ. That's who this gospel is about. It's about Jesus Christ. And then he tells us that the gospel isn't just about specific person, but it also has power. (laughs) It has power. He says, it is the power of God. We proclaim the gospel because it has power. Right In 1 Corinthians, Paul says this in chapter 1, verse 18. He says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Later in that chapter, he says, We preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, that's the reason we even speak it is because of the power of God that it has. Think about the power of the gospel just for a moment. I I mean, because of the gospel, in my life specifically, I've seen all kinds of situations go from terrible to to good. I've I've seen drug addicts get clean, help counsel others to do the same. I've seen families that were on the verge of destruction to uh, come together and to be reconciled uh, and, and all of the family uh, talking again and, and, and children uh, respecting their father again and marriages brought together again, all because of the power of the gospel. I've, I've seen pathological liars, people who literally you couldn't un- uh, uh, believe a single word that came out of their mouth eventually become preachers of the very truth of the word of God. What changed in their life? The gospel. The gospel has the power to change those kinds of things. And I'm sure that all of us could, could probably give testimony to what the gospel has done in our life, the power that the gospel has had in our lives, the miraculous things that we've seen happen in other people's lives because of the gospel. Some of us in here today might be thinking of our own story of uh, how terrible of a state we were in prior to the gospel and then when, it, uh, when, we were, uh, when our lives intersected with the truth of the gospel, how much it changed and, and the power that it has because of that. But, but the biggest change in our life that the gospel has the power to bring is the change of our eternal destiny. That's really what he says in the next phrase. Uh, he says, it's the power of God unto what? Salvation. And I love what Pastor just did a second ago. He said, hey, tell me the day that you got saved. <laughs> I love that. I love hearing about when people got saved. I love hearing about the story behind someone coming to know Jesus Christ. The purpose of the gospel is just that, to save those that are lost, uh, to bring those who do not know the love and forgiveness of Jesus into a relationship with, them, uh, with him as their savior. 
And, and I still remember one of the reasons I didn't say it, Pastor, when he asked was because I was about to say right now in my message, I remember the day I got saved. I remember when I was, uh, I was about five years old, and man, there was... There's a lot of stuff that took place uh, leading up to getting saved. I remember growing up in church, I heard it all the time. But I had this, uh, this pre-K uh, teacher that in her class, man, she taught us some of the best things. I, I'll never forget some of the things uh, that, that we did in that class and some of the object lessons that she showed us in order to just consistently display the love of God. It was over and over and over every week, the love of God. God loves you. I know you are only four or five years old. God loves you. God has a purpose for you and would hear things all, all the time like that in that situation or in that class. And then I remember the situation next was uh, an old crotchety man, okay? That's the only way I could say it. Uh, we graduated into the next class, uh, the kindergarten and first grade boys class. And this old man meant to, it didn't matter if you were five, six, seven years old in that class, he was preaching hellfire and brimstone every single week. It was like, where's the love I just heard about in Mrs. Hemkins' class? Man, I, I want to hear about that again. And we would uh, consistently go back home and I'd be like, Mom, what, we heard today that if, I, if we die, we're going to go to hell and if, it's going to split wide open. He said split wide open, Mom. What does that mean? And he, I remember every single week, I was just scared out of my mind. And yet one day, I remember coming to my mom and it was in September of... Uh, I was uh, five years old, and it was 1997, okay, 1997. It, it feels weird to me to feel that the 90s were that long ago, okay? I'm just saying because I'm still young, but that was a while ago. And some of you are like, what are you talking about, the 90s? They, those are like last week, okay, right? Yeah, so, but, uh, but I remember 1997, September of 97, I, I went to my mom one of the Sundays, and I said to her, I was like, Mom, I really got to know what this is all about, okay? I'm scared out of my mind and I, I, don't know, uh, I, I don't know really what this is all about, but I do know this. I don't want to go to hell. And I remember my mom sitting me down. I was only five, but she took a really long time to just kind of show me uh, the balance between God's wrath and his holiness, and he does have to judge sin, uh, but also his love that I had heard about in pre-K class and how he loved us so much that he would forgive that sin and give us a savior. And I remember getting saved there when I was uh, five years old, and, and it changed my life because of that. The biggest change in my life, eternal destiny changed uh, forever. I'm, I'm no longer bound for hell, but bound for heaven. And uh, I love uh, even my wife's testimony. You should ask her sometimes, but I'll give you the punchline. She got saved next to a toilet. It was awesome, okay? If that does, I'm just saying, if, if that doesn't tell you that you can get saved anywhere, I don't know what does, okay? Because uh, she got saved at a church camp just right next to a toilet. But, that, but I'm just saying all of that to say this. That's, that's the purpose of the gospel, to save us from our sins. It's the power of God unto salvation, okay? Uh, it is there to save all who are lost. In 2 Peter, he wrote this in chapter number three, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us who are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The purpose of the gospel is that people would be saved. And this is what I love about it. It's not just specific people. It's everyone. Did you read that next, uh, that next line in the verse? He says, it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, both uh, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And the gospel is for every single person. It's not some exclusive club that only certain people can be a part of. God is not discriminate toward anyone. 
uh, when it com- in regards to who can be saved. All throughout Scripture, we, when, when salvation is being talked about all throughout Scripture, we see all-inclusive verbiage used. I think of John 3, 16 and 17. It says, God so loved the world. That's pretty all-inclusive. Everyone. That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent his son, uh, not his son, into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Romans 10, 9 through 13, it says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Man, I love that the gospel is for everyone. Aren't you thankful for that? It's there for every single person. It's not just a select group of people God has elected or chosen. His love, his mercy, his grace, his salvation, his gospel reaches all the way to even you and to me. And I love that he says that, uh, that he makes a point to say, man, this gospel is someone, something that is for everyone. And then I love because he says next in verse 17, the gospel, it's not just a one moment, uh, one life-changing moment, and then it's done, okay? In the next verse, he says this, for therein, in what? In the gospel, okay? In the gospel that he just talked about, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So what he's saying is the gospel reveals righteousness or right living from faith to faith. From each faith step that we take, we are living righteously. We live by faith. How is that possible? Because of the gospel. We, we wouldn't even be able to be sanctified apart from, first of all, being saved by the gospel. We are made just because of the gospel. Therefore, the only way that we can continue to grow in Christ is also because of the gospel. And that's, that's really one of the most beautiful things about the gospel is that it doesn't just change our lives in one moment and then we never have to be reminded of the gospel ever again or anything like that. The gospel consistently, every single day, continues to bring about change in our life through sanctification. And the gospel is it's amazing. You could, you could preach uh, the, just those two verses and all the implications of those, just those statements uh, for hours, really, if you go on and on and on about it. But the gospel, it's the good news of Jesus. This is a synopsis. The good news of Jesus for anyone and to everyone. It has the power to change any life and bring salvation to anyone who will believe. And it can continue to change us uh, each and every step of the way as we live for God. And Paul understood all of that. Paul understood all of that about the gospel. And because of that gospel, that life-changing gospel, because of that, it, it caused Paul to see himself and other people in a very specific way. And so that was all the intro, okay? We're about to get into the meat of what I want to talk about tonight in this. Because of all that we know about the gospel, we should see ourselves and other people in a very specific way through the lens of the gospel. Having a gospel perspective means this, and I see it in three statements, okay? This is how Paul sees himself because of the gospel. First of all, he says this, I am debtor. 
I am debtor, is what he says uh, in verse 14. I'm debtor uh, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Uh, a lot of times when we hear the word debt, we, th- we, we automatically think of that as a bad thing because we think of like, you know, you swipe the credit card and now you owe money on something or you took a loan out on something and now you owe money on something. And that's what we think of when we think of debt. And even spiritually, a lot of times when we think of debt, we think of uh, the, the debt that we owed because of our sin. And, and even that has the same connotation of we owed something. And it wasn't that we owed God anything. God wasn't the one punishing us and, and asking for some payment. The Romans chapter 6 says the wages of sin is death, not the wages of God. We didn't owe God that. We owed because of our sin. We owed a price. And we were in debt because of that. And the only way we could come out of it is because of the fact that Jesus paid that debt. But a lot of times we hear any type of word debt, and that's what we think of, that uh, we owe something, okay, to someone because we took it from them. That's really a lot of times what we think of. But there's another way to be indebted to someone. Maybe you've seen it illustrated or heard it illustrated this way, but uh, if I were to take like $1,000, okay, and hand it to Carlos. Carlos, he woke up all of a sudden. Did you see that? I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) If I were to give $1,000 to Carlos, right? And I say, Carlos, this $1,000 isn't for you. This is for pastor. Get it to pastor, okay? Now he woke up, right? Okay, if I were to say, hey, Carlos, I'm giving you $1,000 to give to pastor. Whose $1,000 are those? Pastors, right? Who has the $1,000? Carlos. So, Carlos owes pastor $1,000, right? Why? Because I gave it to him to give to him. Does that make sense? In the same way, we've been entrusted with the gospel. We were given the gospel, not just to keep it. We were entrusted with the gospel to be ambassadors of the gospel. To, we owe it to everyone else to hear the gospel. That's what Paul's saying. When I understand the gospel and all the implications it has for my life and anyone's el- anyone else's life that it touches, when I understand those implications, it's going to make me see that I actually owe everyone something. What do I owe them? A chance to hear the gospel. Uh, in Mark chapter 16, Jesus said this, uh, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. When he did that, he entrusted to his disciples and ultimately to us uh, the gospel that, that he came to fulfill. He gave us that to give to other people. And so in this sense, we all, like Paul, must understand that we're indebted to each and every person that does not know Christ to get them the gospel. Paul understood he was a debtor to everyone. I mean, he, he, didn't, he didn't just see it as I'm indebted to that per- one person to get them the gospel, everyone. That's the verbiage he uses when he says, uh, I'm debtor both to the Greeks, excuse me, and to the barbarians. Uh, that's, that's a simple way of saying I'm indebted to everyone. See, the, the word bar- barbarian, it would have been a word that they would have used to basically just mean someone who doesn't have Greek culture or speak Greek, okay? So what he's saying is I am indebted to get the gospel to every single person who knows my language, who knows my culture, and who doesn't. That's what he's saying. That encompasses everyone, right? If we were to say this today and we were to take it on today, it might sound something like this. Man, I am debtor with the gospel to to Washington State, to Moses Lake, okay? To Washington State and to Illinois. (laughs) 
And I, I'm, I'm debtor to uh, both the U.S. and to other countries all around the world. I'm, I'm debtor to get the gospel to, uh, to, I don't know, pro-vaxxers and anti-vaxxers. Okay, I don't know. I'm just saying. We, we have everyone, no matter what spectrum of any political affiliation or religious affiliation or anything like that, we are indebted to get the gospel to them. We are. Because we've been given it not to hold to ourselves, but to give it to someone else. It, and so we have to, if we are going to have a gospel perspective, we, we have to see ourselves as debtors to every single person. Every single person we come into contact with, uh, we will see ourselves as owing them something if we have a gospel perspective. What do we owe them? A chance to hear the gospel. So if we have this perspective, it'll change how we interact with people. Which, which really brings us to the next part of a gospel perspective is Paul says this, not only am I debtor, he says, I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, I, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also, he says. Uh, I'm not just indebted to everyone. I'm ready to tell everyone is really what he's saying. That word ready uh, is one that is used pretty often. What is it just, what's it? When people ask you, uh, like, it's football season, are you ready for some football, anything like that, what are they asking? Are you, are you prepared, right? Are you prepared? Are you ready to do something? Just means this, are you prepared? Are you fully prepared, often, is what they're asking when they say, are you ready? And so uh, if we're going to have a gospel perspective, it's, it's going to require us to not only think of ourselves in a certain way, but also act in a certain way. And what I mean by that is this. We have to be prepared. If we're indebted to everyone to share the gospel, we have to be prepared to share the gospel, right? I, I, I don't know who the first person to say it was, but something that I remember Fountain Senior said that just stuck in my head. He said this. Uh, he said, <clears throat> you know what the number one characteristic that every single person who gives out gospel tracts has in common? The, the number one characteristic every single one of them have in common. This is the characteristic they have gospel tracts. <laughs> that's, that's what they have in common, okay? Uh, it, I can have all of the motivation and the, and the want to to give people gospel tracts, but if I do not have invitations to church with me, I'm not gonna be able to give them one. Does that make sense? I've got to be ready for gospel opportunities. I've got to be prepared to do so. Uh, everywhere that I go, I don't just see myself as I'm indebted to get the gospel to them and I'm indebted to get the gospel to that coworker and I'm indebted to get the gospel to that family member. I go into it also thinking, how can I be prepared to share the gospel with that person? Sometimes that's as simple as just carrying a gospel track with you. Sometimes uh, that's as simple as maybe reading up on the Romans road or something like that before going to a family reunion or a family Christmas or something like that. But we must be ready. If we have a gospel perspective, we're not just gonna say, oh yeah, we owe the gospel to people. We're gonna say, I'm ready to share the gospel just in case an opportunity comes up. It's something that I, I love about our pastor here. And I, I, I just, everywhere that we went, I remember it, it was, I won't say it's annoying but it was because in my flesh it was annoying, okay? I'm just saying, when I first came here, I had a lot of growing to do, and I remember we'd go places, and we're supposed to be there by like 11.30, and then pastor's out handing tracks to everyone in Taco Bell. I'm like, we're supposed to get to this place, and what was that? That was him just saying, hey, I have a gospel perspective. I'm ready to share the gospel, and I'm here at Taco Bell, and I'm waiting for my food, so why would I not give everyone here in Taco Bell a track? What is that? That's gospel perspective. I'm ready to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to share the gospel in whatever small way that might be 
in my life, just being ready to share the gospel. I think oftentimes we, we have good intentions of wanting to invite people to church or, of sh- or wanting to share the gospel with people, but, but we don't prepare ourselves for those gospel opportunities. We want to do that, but we don't actually prepare ourselves to. And a gospel perspective would say this, no, 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 I'm not just indebted to everyone to get the gospel. I am ready to give them the gospel if the opportunity arises. And then he says this, not only am I, am I a debtor and not only am I ready, but he also says this, when it comes to a gospel perspective, I'm not ashamed. <laughs> I'm not ashamed. Sometimes, sometimes the thing that keeps us from sharing Christ, from seeing ourselves as indebted, or from being ready to share the gospel is we're actually ashamed of the gospel. Now, none of us would say that out loud, right? None of us would say, yeah, I'm ashamed of knowing Jesus Christ. I'm ashamed of the fact that he completely changed my life and I was heading to hell and now I'm headed to heaven. I'm ashamed of that. None of us would say that, but do our actions say something different? Do our actions and the way that we walk each and every day say something different? That actually we might be ashamed because we aren't sharing the gospel. We don't see ourselves as indebted. A lot of times what it comes down to also is we're ashamed because of pride. What I mean by that is this, something that keeps us from sharing the gospel a lot of times, something that makes us shy away or be ashamed of actually giving the gospel to someone is, is pride in a lot of different areas. One way it could be is uh, it, it, I, I don't know how this is gonna affect me socially, <laughs> right? Sometimes we think of it in that way. I, uh, we just care too much what people think of us really. Uh, What will sharing the gospel do to my social status? What will people think? What will people say about me? How will this affect my influence in the workplace? How will this affect the clout I've gained at school? How how will this uh, affect my influence in any way when honestly none of that matters in comparison to the questions we should be asking, which is this, what if they never hear the gospel because no one else they come into contact with knows Jesus? That's a question we should be asking ourselves. What if they die and and go to hell because I didn't tell them, because I didn't go out of my way to do that? These are the kinds of questions we should be asking. I think a lot of times that uh, this social pride can stem from not only how we're affected, but even how Christians are treated socially, right? Uh, You look at our world and the way that Christians often are treated in our media or our culture, there seems to be a growing prejudice against Christians, And it can make us worried about what kind of social problems we may cause in the workplace or in the school or in the community if we step out by faith and we share Christ. But again, do those worries outweigh the heaviness of knowing that someone may not go to heaven because of my inability to share the gospel with them or to give them a gospel track? We we don't need to let our social status or even the social issues of the day to dictate whether or not we share the gospel. We, we must not be ashamed. But another form of pride sometimes is we don't think we know enough about the Bible or about the gospel to share the gospel. That's a form of pride. And I, I, don't, want, I don't want them to ask a question that I don't know the answer to. It's okay not to have all the answers. Me and pastor don't have all the answers, and we're pastors. <laughs> it's okay 
to not have all the answers, okay? It, and yet, many times, I think that's something that holds us back. In our pride, we're like, well, I don't, I don't want to look dumb, or I don't, want, I don't want to say something, and then they ask a question, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't want that to take place, and that kind of pride keeps us away from sharing the gospel. But there's nothing wrong with not knowing all the answers. In fact, I've loved for almost my entire life all of us, all of you in here, except for me and pastor, can do this, okay? Uh, I loved for all my life until I became a pastor being able to say, man, I don't know the answer to that, but my pastor knows that answer. Man, my pastor has a great answer for that, and I would send them to my pastor, and now I can't do that, right? I'm like, hey, uh, you should ask me because I should know that answer, right? No, it, it's as simple as saying, hey, I don't know the answer to that, but I know there is an answer for that. And, and let me go and look it up. Let me tell you what the, I'll, I'll come back to you and tell you what the Bible says about that. Or maybe you could have someone else help you to invest Christ into someone by saying, hey, I know someone who does know the answer to that. W- would you mind if I did bring them into the conversation? Uh, don't let social uh, pride and don't let even maybe intellectual pride, the pride of not thinking we don't know enough to share the gospel to keep us from giving the gospel to people. Souls are in the balance, people. And so we shouldn't let these ways of pride get, us, get in the way of someone knowing their way to Jesus. And then sometimes the pride comes in, in this sense that we don't feel like we can share the gospel because we're not right with the Lord. Sometimes, sometimes the reason I'm not sharing Christ is because I'm not right with Christ. <laughs> I'm not consistently growing in my walk with the Lord, and, and because of that, I'm not showing the love of the Lord. I said it a couple weeks this way, or I said it this way a couple weeks ago at Rich Point that sometimes the reason we're not showing the love of Christ is because we're not consistently plugged into the source of love, which is Jesus. And if we're not, if we don't know Christ and if we're not growing in our relationship with Christ, it's really hard to show Christ to other people. And so, uh, sometimes the thing that keeps us away from and keeps us ashamed from sharing the gospel is, man, I, I'm not living a right life with Christ. And so I don't know, how could I share Christ? I, I'm not even in a right relationship with him. But we have to work to stay right with God and work to share his love with others. Again, because the gospel doesn't just change people in one moment. The gospel is still changing us today. Allow that work to consistently take place in your life so that we can share Christ's love with others. Paul, he had, he had a gospel perspective. Uh, and it's the same perspective that we should have. A, a perspective that is shaped completely by our understanding of the gospel, this life-changing truth of the gospel. Uh, when someone truly understands the gospel, when we truly understand the gospel, how amazing it is, and all the implications that it truly has in our life, has had, is currently having, and will have. When we truly understand all of that, it will cause us to see ourselves as debtors to every other person. Man, I, what took place in my life needs to happen in other people's life. I'm indebted to get that to all who don't know Christ. It will cause us to be prepared to be ready to share the gospel with anyone the Lord might bring across our path. And it will cause us to be confident instead of ashamed of proclaiming the gospel. When we really grasp hold of the, the life-changing truth of the gospel, it's going to give us confidence to share it, uh, not uh, shame to back away from it. And so maybe we're here tonight and we're reminded of these truths. Like I said, a, a, a well-known passage, 
well-known passage that some of you might even have memorized. And yet, maybe we come to it tonight and we go, you know what? I haven't been seeing myself as indebted to everyone. Uh, I haven't been seeing myself as someone who should be prepared because I'm indebted to everyone. You know what? I've kind of been backing away from sharing the gospel. I've, I've acted in a way that's ashamed instead of being confident in sharing the word of Christ. Maybe this message, maybe it's, you're like, I've been sharing the gospel, but that was a great reminder of what the gospel is in my life. Maybe that's the message tonight is, man, I just need to thank the Lord for this amazing truth of the gospel. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe even someone tonight, yeah, even on a Sunday night crowd, maybe someone's here and everything we just talked about, about the change that the gospel can bring, maybe that's never taken place in your life. And you say, I I need to, first of all, get that in my life. Maybe you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your savior. Tonight could be the night that you do that. And I I, I think... uh, when we truly come to the recognition of, who, of what the gospel is and what it has done in our life and, want, and what God wants to continue to see it do in our life, it's going to change how we see people. It's going to change how we see ourselves. And for Paul, that meant everyone's hearing the gospel. We saw, I just got done preaching through the book of Acts not too long ago at, at Ridge Point, and you can't look at Paul's life without seeing that he was a nut for Christ. I mean, in a good way, right? He was a nut in the, in the fact that everyone needs to hear the gospel. He was chained to a prisoner. Really, he wasn't chained to the prisoner. The prisoner was chained to him because they had to hear the gospel. Everything in his perspective said, no, 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 no. I have a chance to share the gospel with everyone I'm indebted to. And so I'm going to. I'm going to be ready to. I'm not backing down. I'm not ashamed. I'm going to tell people about the love of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.